We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The show today is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and MyBookie will allow you to wager your deposit amount just one time, and then you're eligible to cash out. Most places make you wager that deposit amount multiple times. At MyBookie, wager your deposit amount one time. You deposit 500 bucks and you want to bet $10.50 bets, uh, well, then you've met the requirement of wagering your deposit amount, and you're then eligible to cash out of your account. Count. They've got all of the NFL draft prop bets tomorrow that you'll be looking for if you want to bet the NFL draft in all of the NBA you need. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com, Kevin DC is the promo code. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify. That's a big help. And follow us on Apple and Spotify as well if you're not a follower of this podcast. That is helpful as well. Two guests on the show today, one of whom I'm going to start with here uh, at the top, and that is Sam Fortier, who is one of my favorites. Sam covers the team for the Washington Post. Fred Smoot will do some draft discussion with us uh, after that. Very light uh, today, I promise you, on the NBA uh, conversation uh, because we are a day within the draft, and we've got breaking news here as we are recording the podcast. Just about an hour and a half ago, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post reported that Washington will not pick up the fifth-year option for Chase Young. So with that, let's bring in Sam. Uh, Sam does such a great job covering the team. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam, the number four TR. Uh, I'll just start with your reaction. I don't think it was that unexpected. You know, certainly in the last few weeks or last few months would have been very unexpected a year ago. Um, But uh, your reaction, Sam, to the team not picking up Chase Young's option. Yeah, I think like you said, it's been expected. I think there's a a lot of factors here. I think one is is production. I think that's the most clear one. He has not proven that he could be a consistent game-wrecking force like you hoped you were getting with with the number 2 overall pick. His statistical line here. Actually, Kevin, let me ask you this. Do you know who Michael Dana is? 
I, di- I didn't before I read your story a week ago, and I used it on the radio show, maybe even on the podcast. He is the guy that essentially is ranked right where Chase Young is, is in the league in terms of pressures in the last two seasons. Yeah, in terms of edge rusher production, and, and that is almost over an identical <laughs> number of pass rushing snaps. 768 for Dana, 771 for, for Chase. So it's, it's not like the injury, you know, really played a huge role there. It's just that Chase Young has not produced. And I think the other part of this is, is some stuff that we've heard that Ron has mentioned before. I think, you know, there's, there's concern about maturity, commitment. You know, is, is he motivated? And I think, you know, I think one of the plays here is if Ron Rivera feels that, that Chase Young is, is primarily motivated by money, I think that that could be, uh, you know, that could be something if he believes that Chase no longer has star potential. Uh, if, if Ron Rivera is not concerned about any year other than this one, because he knows that he needs to win a lot of games in 2023, if he thinks that this is going to be, you know, the best way to get Chase Young to play his best, um, if they don't care about losing him, all of those factors I think could play into uh, the decision to not pick it up. I want to, you know, I want to get to what's next with Montez Sweat, um, and you know the situation they could be in at the end of next year, or even before the end of next year, or maybe even before the end of the weekend. Uh, here in a moment, but you know, overall, them not picking up the fifth-year option. If you were to simplify what it means, what does it mean? It opens the door to Chase Young not being here in 2023, not or 2024, not being a franchise cornerstone like you thought he was going to be when he was Ron Rivera's first draft pick. That doesn't mean that he's going to leave. If he balls out, I think they could pay him. They could pick him over Montez Sweat. They only have one franchise tag, so it's going to be very hard to keep both of them. But it is opening the door um, in a very serious way to a thing that seemed unfathomable two years ago. Yeah, and I would say when you're talking about the number two overall pick who was also the defensive rookie of the year in 2020, what it says simply is that they believe there's a better chance than not that they're not going to want him on the team in 2024. And that is, that's a stunning revelation considering where we were, you know, a year and a half ago, not as much now, like we talked about before, but at the core, if somebody's like, well, why didn't they? It's because they're not sure they're going to want him on the roster in 2024, because that's true. If they were sure, or even if the odds favored that they were going to want him on the, on the roster in 2024, they would have picked up the fifth year option. Yeah, I, I think this is the same situation that we saw last year with Carson Wentz. You can bring a guy in, you can say you believe in him, but when you don't, you know, when you don't spread out his his uh, his dead cap, when you don't uh, push out the guaranteed money, and you say, hey, we're gonna leave that optionality to get out of this deal after it, that's what tells you what they actually believe, and this is telling you that they are okay, even you know, maybe open to the possibility that Chase Young will not be on the roster next year, and that. Like you said, for all those reasons, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround. Obviously, you know, there are some other factors at play. You know, they paid Deron Payne, which obviously goes into this. Um, you know, they kept John Allen at, at quite a price. So there are other factors, but they basically are essentially saying we might be comfortable with choosing the interior guys for the first guy that we ever picked. 
I mean, that's a really good analogy, the Carson Wentz analogy with them not, you know, uh, you know, extending the deal or, or, or working it to a point where the cap number was lower last year. And I said it right when they didn't do it. I said, well, this tells you how they really feel. And this tells you with Chase Young how they really feel. There's one big difference, though, Sam, and that is publicly they were super positive about Carson. Publicly with Chase, going back to January, he is put into the bloodstream, into the you know, in, in, into the public sphere that they may not pick up this option. And by the way, that comes off whether he meant it or not as negative. Yeah, I, I think like those are two different circumstances because of the players involved. Carson Wentz, you know, he had some confidence problems. You wanted to build him up. You wanted, you know, if you're going to give up assets, he needs to be the guy, and, and you do everything you can. With Chase, I think it's quite the opposite. When he's the number one two pick, you know, he, he's the, the defensive rookie of the year. You want him to produce. And if you felt like, hey, you know, it took him a little bit longer to come back from that injury than we thought. You know, we, we didn't really like his play before that. Obviously, Ron was critical of Chase and Montez in 2021 for their rush lane discipline, not working well with the rest of the line, freelancing. If that's your sample, if, if that's what you've seen from him the last two years, maybe the thing you need to get him get the best from him is to criticize him publicly and say, try to get him to understand, hey, we need you to be better. We need you to reach the ceiling we thought you had. So to me, it makes sense about why there's such a stark difference between their approaches. That's a good answer. I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I just think that if he wanted to keep all of his options available, and one of those options could be trading Chase Young, and I'll get to that in a moment, I think it would have been better to take the we're so confident route like they did with Carson Wentz right from the jump. Because once you put it out there that you may not be picking up the fifth-year option on a guy that was the defensive rookie of the year and you pick number two overall, if if your end goal, and I'm not saying it is, but if your end goal is to move him for the most amount in return, you you didn't help yourself by essentially saying we're not fond of this person we're, or we're not as fond as him as we used to be. Now, your answer of this is Ron's way of getting the most out of Chase Young, I hope he's right. I hope he's right. You know, and, and comparing it to Deron Payne, by the way, he's gotten mixed up. I don't know if you've picked up on this. I'm sure you have. Um, he's, he, he's actually talked about how the two situations are 100% analogous and said, you know, we, and he actually said at one point, we didn't pick it up on, Chase, uh, on Duran either and, see, and, and, and look what happened. Well, they did pick up the fifth-year option on Duran Payne, and they picked it up pretty quickly on Montez Sweat as well. So let's talk about what's next with this. You know, I'll let you kind of describe how you see the Sweat, Chase Young, both entering next year if they're both on the roster. And maybe before we get to that, do you think there's any chance that they're shopping him? Shopping Chase? Yes. I don't think that they will trade Chase Young this year. Because, yes, you you have expressed a lack of confidence in him by declining his fifth-year option, but I don't think you compound that by then saying, hey, we, we believe in this guy so little that we will take pennies on the dollar right. for whatever we can get. And, and I do think, regardless of what you think of Chase Young, and I think everybody who says he's a bust or, oh, he could still be the superstar, I think that there are plenty of arguments on both sides of that. Uh, but I think that if you're looking at the Washington Commanders roster and you're saying, 
what is the likeliest path for us to get to the most amount of wins in 2023 as possible? It is figuring out how to motivate Chase Young and getting whatever the best of him looks like. Because I still think that that is better than whatever you're going to get back if you're trading him, if you are trading him from a position of disadvantage. And I don't think, okay, like, let's hypothetically say it's a fourth-round pick this year. I still think Chase Young, for, for his flaws, is going to be better than whomever that person is. Well, I mean, let me be clear on this, because I've said this before, but for everybody that's listening, I really want Chase Young to turn out to be the player that I thought he was going to turn out to be, because I was advocating in 2019 that they not beat the Giants, that they lose in overtime in a shootout, because I wanted Haskins to look good, but I didn't want them to win the game because I wanted them to get Chase Young. And after that rookie season, everybody that really wanted Chase Young looked pretty smart. Um, and then a sack and a half in nine games in 2021, the injury, the you know the clear uh, evidence at this point from you know what the coaches have said, what they said in 2021 specifically, there is there is a trust issue in his commitment level and in his ma- maturity, and, and we'll leave it at that. There's a, a, that is a that is playing a role uh, in this decision, but I hope it works out, and I still believe that what I saw at the end of last year when he played in those three games against the 49ers, Browns, and Cowboys, um, Sam, is I thought I saw a guy whose explosiveness looked like it did in 2020. There were several plays you can go back to in the Cleveland game and in the San Francisco game, and it looked like he was healthy completely healthy. So I hope it, he blows up this year and has 15 sacks and then they've got the issue of of okay, we got two players who are entering, you know, uh 2024 without contracts and they'll deal with that in a good way. But I still I think that there is a chance and you're right and it's what I was saying before. They've created more of a disadvantage to trading him with kind of not picking up the option and even more than that, publicly kind of contemplating it, like they've done this in public. And I actually thought last week with Martin Mayhew, you were there, I actually thought he was a little bit too flippant. I mean, silly when it came to the discussion of Chase Young. And I I, kind of thought in the moment, well, maybe he is going to pick up this option. Because at this point, it would be, not that it would be mean-spirited, but it would kind of be... I don't know. I, what, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I wasn't going to get into that, but I felt like he was a little bit, um, you know, kind of having fun with the Chase Young conversation last week. Yeah, I guess. What, what did you like? Was it his tone, body language? What What said to you, Martin's like having fun with this? Or, it, or it was more Ron. It was more Ron. It was the you know. Well, we'll have to wait and see. You know, and 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 I, I, I you know, I've got. I'd have to pull up. I, I watched the presser, and I can't remember specifically what it was about that portion of it. But I remember thinking in the moment when I saw that, hmm, maybe they are going to pick this thing up after all. Um, and I, I, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have the. Uh, the, the 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 transcribing of that press conference in, in front of me. But anyway, did you sure, feel that I, I, way? I think um, it, it's tough to say because I think that Ron is um, how, how would I describe it? maybe playfully coy with media stuff all the time. Like you know when they were going to make the quarterback decision in week fifteen and sixteen last year. You know I'll tell you guys on Wednesday. Or you'll see the you'll see the guy who takes the first team reps. I, I think that there's an element of that where he always. Is, is sort of operating that way um, when he doesn't have to announce decisions. 
Um, and, and there was an exchange with, with John Kime of ESPN. You know, he, Ron said, I have until May 2nd. And Kime said, oh, you know, if today was May 2nd, what would you say? And, and Ron said, um, you know, well, I, you know, I guess we would make the decision then. So I, I get where you're coming from. I didn't, it didn't strike me that way. It okay. didn't strike me as any, any different than how Ron usually is in, in those pressers. Um, but I, I do think it, it's interesting, right, that like they had until May 2nd, but they did it today. They were doing it before the draft. I do think it was, it was probably smart of them to not let this play out and not like have the drama build if they really weren't going to, to actually make that decision. Right. That, this, yeah, I think that that's – I guess that that's a kind of the point maybe, but not really um, – Whatever I, I, is that? If I, I, I kind of have sensed that they weren't going to do this for a while, that they certainly didn't want to do it. In fact, if they had done it, I would have been suspicious that they had done it for kind of PR reasons, so as to not look bad and to not look like they totally effed up the the 2020 draft. You know, personally, I think this is the right thing to do. It's if, if they believe now that there's a chance they made a mistake, don't double down on it. Absolutely. And I think that, like, the rhetoric, like, I've had some people say, oh, you know, Ron should have been nicer. And I get the strategic value of, oh, if we're going to trade him, right. you know, don't tear him down in the media. But, but people have said, oh, what about Ron and Chase's relationship? Or, or what, what's going to happen if, if they're both around next year? And, and I, I think that it's very unlikely that we'll get both Ron and Chase in Washington <laughs> um, in 2024, it's possible that, that one of them is here, but it seems unlikely that both of them are here. Anyway, I think that this whole relationship, it, it, it's totally solved if Chase Young balls out, has 15 sacks, and the, the team is like, okay, we will give you a big contract because you are a good player like we thought. I think that this is all fixed if Chase is, is who we thought he was. Bottom line is it's on him now. It is on him to go out and earn it. Um, I also think, with that said, I think that Ron, and I talked about this maybe a week ago, that with a player like Chase, who's young and has maybe made some mistakes here with respect to commitment, he also came off a very serious injury, much more serious than your run-of-the-mill ACL, um, that they they have a responsibility here to exhaust all avenues to get him to, you know, to not, as as my good friend Doc Walker says, hold talent hostage, to get the most out of his talent. And to your point, maybe this is part of it. Maybe the incenting him, incentivizing him by not picking up the fifth-year option is part of the coaching plan to get the most out it, of him. It, it, absolutely, because if you, look, if you go back and you watch the Ron press conferences from weeks one through, I would say, six, of the 2021 season, he's very positive. He preaches patience. Hey, you know, Chase is figuring it out. He's, you know, the production's going to come. He's getting there. And then it almost felt like he was like, okay, I have to switch my, I have to switch my demeanor because this is not getting through to this guy. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure some of it is frustration, but I think also it's just tactical. And Ron has done that with different players, you know, throughout his time in Washington, when he feels like Jamin Davis in week one last year, him and Jack both got after him. Like, right. they'll be very positive until they feel like it's, it's beneficial to get after you in public. All right. So, what's next? Is this, does this open up the door for a Montez Sweat contract extension or not? Yes. I mean, it, it, uh, you mean before the season? 
Well, uh, before the season, um, yes, before the season. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really tough because if you extend Montez, you are essentially saying, Chase, no matter how well you play, we probably will not retain you. And I think that, like, that is limiting your – Not I hate to use the business speak, but, like, the optionality that, that Washington's front office would have if they extended um, Montez Webb before the season or even you know, maybe Cam Curl – um, if they give him a big money deal, like I think that just limits you inherently. And so maybe we see, you know, a bunch of these guys um, play it out on on the last year of their contracts, and then in the off season, it's like, okay, hey, uh, we are going to we're we're going to figure out, okay, which of you played the best, which ones we want to keep you at which prices. Because again, I, I hate to be a broken record on this, but I really think that all of the decisions can be explained by them saying, how do we win the most number of games in 2023? And if dudes are playing for contracts. You're obviously going to, you know, you're maximizing your chances to get the best out of them. Yeah, I just think that th- th- I I hear you, but then you go back and you flip it to the other side of the ball, and they're going to, you know, they're going to perhaps start a fifth round, um, second year quarterback uh, for the 2023 season, and that's not going to lead to a playoff season more likely than not. It could lead to. Um, optimism about the quarterback position. It could lead to in the NFC, you know, a nine and an eight record and a seven seed maybe, and some real optimism, I guess. But more times than not, you know, the fifth round guy in his first full year of starting, even if he turns out to be, you know, an NFL caliber quarterback, isn't going to lead you to 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 the best chance for the most wins. Sure, but I think the counterpoint to that is that's why you signed Jacoby Brissett, whose floor as an NFL quarterback. If, if last year he can continue what he did, that it, it's decently high. I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, take you to the third seed or whatever, but like, you know, you could feel pretty confident about winning nine, 10 games if, if you get what you got, the, if you get what the Browns got out of Rakoi Brissett last year. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I agree with that. Like, his floor is much higher than any floor they've had at that position in a while. And if they had him last year, I mean, I made this case when they signed him. I think if Jacoby Brissett started all those games last year that that uh, that Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke started, that they probably would have won 10 games and been in the playoffs, or certainly nine, you know, and gotten that extra game and been in the postseason. Um, so... Uh, Ultimately, by the way, I, I think that that is the right strategy, right, to let it play out during the course of this season. If they decide, you know, not to to do anything with Chase in particular, and, and my guess is they're not going to trade him either. Uh, I just think that that's not a complete uh, impossibility. So at the end of the year, if they both ball out, it's a good problem to have. But how does it get solved? And I'm talking about they both have big-time Duran Payne-like years from last year. So that's a really interesting question that I think we have to acknowledge another variable here is Washington does not have a end period on the roster that, that signs through next year. Shaka Tony, the only one, uh, obviously was suspended for gambling, but all the backups, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, F.A. Obata, William Bradley King, all those guys will also be free agents. So you are going to have to decide, okay, like which one do we give the big contract to and which one do we let walk for the comp pick? And then which of these backups do we, do we resign at, at good prices? If they both have Deron Payne years, you, you will probably franchise tag one in, in less, and then try to work out a long-term deal to keep, you know, to keep them around for the long term. But I, it is, 
you know, I feel like we've been saying this for, for three years, right? And you had this discussion with John Allen, then with Deron Payne. Like, you cannot keep all four of these guys uh, without taking, like, any semblance of roster building and, and balance, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what we've all thought for several years now, and they've got two of them done, and there's certainly room for one more. Um, and, you know, I hope it's a really difficult decision for them at the end of, the, of next year because that, based on, on you know, high-level pr- production because that would be a good problem for them to have. If it's super high production from both of them, you know, I don't know what you do then. If you can get one signed to a contract extension and franchise and, and, and get some offer sheets and end up uh, losing the other one but get some picks back, you, you probably can't sign and trade at that point. You'd have to tag. Right. And, I, and so in, in the ideal scenario, yes, you are, you are losing one of them um, probably. I, I think the long-term extension and the tag – would be really fascinating in terms of which one do you prioritize. Buy you another year. Right, right. You would be kicking the can down the road. And and if they ball out and if the offense has the high floor that we expect, like they're probably a playoff team. So does that mean Ron Rivera is getting another year? Or is is the Harris group going to want to pick their guy anyway? I mean, that is – that would be a – Hypothetical on a hypothetical that is extremely fascinating to me because it would it would tell us a lot about the new ownership group if that's what they decide to do. Yeah, um, you know they could only have those kinds of good problems because these aren't the kinds of decisions they have faced uh, over the last quarter century for the most part. Um, they have they've rarely had two really good choices uh, in one off season. Um, we have Sam Fortier on the show. Sam uh, is – he does a great job for the Post. I, I've told you this before, but you're one of my favorites. And Sam is a musician. He is from New Hampshire. Uh, all of these things we talked about uh, with Sam on one of the la- uh, podcasts he came on, I don't know, a year or so ago. So let's talk about tomorrow night. Um, what do you have him doing right now at 16? If they stay at 16, and I think – they could absolutely move down again, uh, particularly because I expect the top four prospects that they would be interested in, the top two O-linemen, Skaronsky and Paris Johnson, and the top two quarterbacks, Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, I, I see those four guys as locks for being off the board by 16. I don't see Washington moving up. So at this point, I, I would probably expect them to take Tennessee right tackle Darnell Wright. He checks a lot of the boxes that, that they like. You know, he is a, a, a multi-year starter with, with elite production against elite competition. He, he played very well against Alabama edge rusher Will Anderson. Um, you know, he's played 2,700 uh, career college snaps, which, which gives you a pretty good idea of the guy you're going to get. He's going to contribute right away. You can move the offensive line around. That is the guy that makes the most sense to me. If he's off the board or if they're not as high on him as I think that they are, then I think you could go a couple different directions. Brian Branch, the DB from Alabama, um, is another intriguing option. Um, do you as an offense want Bijan Robinson if he's there? I, I don't know. I would question that, but it's something I could see them being open to. I think those are the, the probabilities on the board right now. You haven't mentioned, because Branch is really, you know, he could certainly be their slot corner and, and might be, um, but you haven't mentioned any of the true corners. Like, let's just say that um, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, and Darnell Wright and Skronsky are all off the board at 16. Um, do you think they would go branch? Uh, and, and by the way, Witherspoon and Gonzalez are both off the board. 
we've seen a lot of mocked corners, including Joey Porter Jr., which wouldn't be my favorite pick, and I don't really think they'll go in that direction. But what about the corners? You didn't mention any of them. Yeah, no, I, I said I thought that Gonzalez and Witherspoon would be off the board. Right, um, but I'm talking if, about the other guys after them. A, right, right. I could see, like, you're talking about Deontay Banks and, and Forbes. I, I, at 16, I think that that's a reach for, for both Forbes and Banks. Um, I, I think Joey Porter Jr., I, I don't think they're as high on him. And I know, I think the number one thing is like, oh, he played a lot of press man last year at Penn State. He could be William Jackson the fourth is, is what Pete Haley calls him. Um, I don't think that's quite as fair because he did play more zone as a junior um, at Penn State, so I think he could, but I, I just don't see him as a, as a natural scheme fit. If you want a better scheme fit, I think Deontay Banks could be that guy. Um, I don't love Forbes just because he would be the second lightest corner drafted since at least um, 2000 at, at 166 pounds. I think that he, you know, he, he really struggles against the run, obviously. The, the durability hasn't been a concern because he hasn't missed any games in the SEC, but uh, and that's obviously a very good conference. Uh, but I just, I just don't see either of those guys, at least at 16. If you go back to 19, if you go back to 25, maybe some of those guys are in play. And, and maybe Banks is in play at 16. I, maybe they really like him like that. Um, but I would just be surprised uh, that they would go with him over, over a guy like Darnell Wright. By the way, I think Forbes, obviously, at 165 pounds, that that would be a concern. But he was a – in addition to being an incredible playmaker – um, he he was a good tackler. I mean, he was an excellent tackler for somebody that size. I mean, he's tall. He's just incredibly lean um, and light. Uh, I actually really like him, um, but you might be right. 16 might be too high. So that leads me to this. What do you think the chances are that there will be an offer uh, like there was last year that, that, that is a, that's good enough for them to go back with? This is one of the most central questions of the draft for me like what is the market for the 16th pick and and obviously there's a lot of variables and you know i was reading um you know a coach you know a gm inside the top 10 said last year i felt like i had 75 percent of uh i, I knew 75 percent of what our pick would be this year it's like 25 percent because nobody knows what the texans are doing the, the cardinals are probably trying to trade out what's the quarterback movement at the top like i think that will determine ultimately like, like the the downstream effect of that is that you know, you're going to see different players um, become available at 16, and that changes the market. But if they can move back, I mean, getting more bites at the apple, getting, you know, Cole, you know, Cole Turner like they did last year and a couple other of those pieces, that would be the preferable move for me if the market exists. Yeah, and the market is going to be more likely than not, you know, a quarterback. Um you know, and I would think, you know, a Levis or a Richardson, although who knows where we are on Hendon Hooker right now, and maybe 16, somebody's got to go up to get to see if they really want him, has to go up to 16 to get him. Um, last year, it was really kind of wide receivers. You know, it, 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 Drake London started the run on wide receivers, and 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 the Saints wanted a Lave, and that was where they had to get to, to, uh, to get there. Give me the player that you think, if he's there at 16, even if there's an opportunity to trade back, that they won't. The player or players. That, that could be there. I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, I, I don't, I guess Witherspoon or Gonzalez could be there. I've seen some mocked, but, um, you know, obviously the, the, the top five or six guys aren't going to be there. Right, you're saying a player that Washington would like 
that could fall, that would be expected to go earlier that could fall that they would they would not want to pass. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a player that that falls. It's a player that they absolutely are not going to trade back if that player is on the board at sixteen. I if, if some people really believe that Darnell Wright is the best offensive tackle in this class, and so I think that like that is a guy that that they could feel that strongly about. I know some people in the building like him a lot, but I think the the, the stronger answer is the two corners. I, I Like you said, I don't think that Witherspoon or Gonzalez will be there, but those are the guys uh, that, that I wouldn't want to move back on. I, I, I know that, you know, it's possible, and we've talked about, oh, could they take an edge rusher considering the uncertain futures of, of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I, I don't see it as high as 16, and even if one of the, you know, one of the good ones falls, uh, I would have a hard time, you know, staying there for that position. So there's a very short list of guys. Um, if Eric Bieniemy has a really strong voice and wants Bijan Robinson or you know a different tackle, maybe Anton Harrison. Um, like I think that's probably too high for him. But those, it, it's a very short list about guys that I would not move back from if it's not an elite corner or an elite offensive tackle. Uh, yeah, I mean, last year, just for everybody, um, you know, uh, thinking about, well, last year they traded back, there was a run on wide receivers, but I'm going to tell you right now, if Drake London had been there at 11, and I think if Charles Cross, the offensive lineman, had been there at 11, I don't think they would have traded back. Um, and maybe another player uh, in there as well. Uh, but that'll be interesting for sure. Did you see what Albert Breer reported earlier today in his – um, whatever it is, the, the SI MMQB or whatever it's called, said that. Did you see what he uh, what, what he what he said about Washington in sixteen? Uh, I did not. He said that Marty Herney is has advocated in the building for Anthony Richardson. So that I'm, is okay. Go ahead. No. So, what's your reaction to that? I mean, I get it. Right, like Anthony Richardson is a, is a very talented, athletic quarterback prospect who has a very high ceiling. Like, I, you know, how could you not like that guy uh, in terms of what if you think you could develop him? Like, yeah, I mean, he he is the if you're nexting as my as my colleague Adam Kilgore calls it, and you're saying, oh, he could be the next Josh Allen. I get that, but to me, it it would not make sense for Washington to take a quarterback at 16 or in the first round in general. And that includes Hendon Hooker. That includes some of these other guys. Because, <laughs> you know, a, a first-round quarterback is, is overwhelmingly likely not going to come in and significantly upgrade your team in year one. If you take Anthony Richardson, especially, he is a project quarterback. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying he's Malik Willis. I'm not saying that he can't get there. I'm just saying he has things to figure out, and that will take time. And do you, as a, as a regime, have the capacity and the time with a new ownership group to take those lumps? Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe if you draft Anthony Richardson and, and Josh Harris comes in, he's like, hey, this is, that was a great pick. You know, if we get this situation right, like we're a rocket ship, that's great. I just, I just don't see that as, as the highest probability of them winning the most games in 2023. Do you think they'll take a quarterback in the draft somewhere? Yes, I do. I, I think that like edge rusher, like running back, quarterback is a position they will address at some point in the draft. Um, I, I would I would be surprised if they didn't take one in the middle rounds. I think um, 
you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA is a candidate. Obviously, you know, Tanner McKee from Stanford, he worked with Tavita Pritchard, the new quarterback's coach at Stanford for, for the four years he was there. So he would, make, he would be a natural fit. Um, Jake Hayner from Fresno State is a guy that's been compared to Taylor Heineke. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, I think options in, in the middle of the late round. All right, last one. Um, give me the guy, because you've been looking at this for a while, give me the guy that you know you would like to see them pick at, at any point in the draft, like a player that you're convinced would really work well here, and maybe you even know that they like him. <laughs> Georgia defensive back Christopher Smith the second. he's, he's kind of like, you know, a little bit less than, than Brian Branch. He's like Brian Branch light. I'm not saying they're the exact same players, but – you talk about a guy that went to, you know, one of the best programs in the country, had multiple years of production, was a team captain, was a starter, can play multiple positions in the back end, very smart. Like, that to me is the Ron Rivera profile. If he's there, if it makes sense, if they don't get, you know, Brian Branch or another DB in the first round, like, he would be a slam dunk uh, in terms of, like, Ron Rivera's evaluation in, in that front office, I think, in, in the second round, maybe the third, um, but you're taking a risk there. I think that's a guy – who, who they would really love. Great job, as always. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks for the time. I'll talk to you soon. Of course. Kevin, it's always a nice chop it up with you, so I appreciate it. Fred Smoot next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, jumping on with us now, uh, and we had him on a few weeks ago, and it was great. He always is great as a guest, is Fred Smoot. And believe it or not, 22 years ago, uh, the young Mississippi State cornerback was getting ready for the NFL draft. And before we get into this draft, tell me what you remember about that 2001 draft and if you had a sense that Marty was going to take you here? Uh, I didn't. Uh, at that time, man, and it's funny, me and Santana, and way to make me feel old, shit. Uh, <laughs> me and Santana were just talking about that 
and Santana was slotted to come here at 15 or 16, and I was slotted to go to the other Washington with Seattle at 17. So I was forced to watch guys get drafted before me, and I remember getting the call from Marty Scheinheimer, and he was like, are you ready to play some cornerback in the NFL? And, of course, at this time, I'm already anxious, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mad, but I'm just so damn happy. So at the end of the day, it was, it, was, it was just different for me, and it was a blessing to come to D.C., so I enjoyed it. So you were taken in the second round, number 45 overall, yep. but you thought yep. you thought you were going to – I'm sorry, you thought you were going to Seattle at 17 right after Santana went to the Jets at 16? Oh, yeah, that's where I was slotted at. I was slotted anywhere from 10 to 20. And Seattle needed a corner at that time, and that's where I thought I was going. I had talked to him a couple of times, and uh, Mel Kuyper had picked me at 17 to go there. So, you know, you, you figure you're trying to – that's when we have to look at the magazine and not just ESPN to see where you slotted in. <laughs> right. So, it, it, yeah. yeah, it was a different situation. Yeah, it was much different. By the way, I'm looking at that draft. Do you know who Seattle drafted at 17? Uh, Seattle end up drafting, if I'm not mistaken, Corn Robinson. Nope. Oh, they did? No, they drafted Corn Robinson at number nine. All right, they had two first round picks. At 17, uh, they picked, do you know? Uh, let me think. Let me think. All right, K Rob went in. Uh, I don't know who did they pick. The, the one of three Hall of Famers that were drafted in that first round. Uh, Ladanian Tomlinson went to San Diego, future Hall of Famer. Richard Seymour yeah. the, to, to New England, future Hall of Famer, and Steve Hutchinson. Hutchinson, Steve Hutchinson, who I ended up playing with in Minnesota. I should have thought about that. And don't forget about the, the future Hall of Famer and Drew Brees that was a part of my class too. Right. And you got Steve, and you got Steve Smith, and you got a couple bubbler guys like uh, Reggie Wayne could be a future Hall of Famer. So we was loaded with guys, the Chad Johnson that are where we we was loaded. Do you remember? Like I asked Clinton this yesterday because I had Clinton on the radio show, yeah. and um, yeah. I asked Clinton, I said, can you name the running backs that were taken before you? And he said, of course I can. Because yeah. Clinton, he yeah. walked out of the uh, of the draft party he was at. He was so despondent that he went in the second round. Can you name the yeah. corners that were taken before you? Uh, Nate Clemens, Jamar yeah. Fletcher, Ken Lucas, I think. Uh, and was that it? Um, I'm looking through the list here. Hold on for one second. Um, Nate Clements. Yeah, because they've got him listed yep. as DBs here. Archuleta was a safety, yep. obviously. Um, safety, yeah. Clements. Um, Will Allen. Will Allen was a Will corner. Allen to, Will Allen to the Giants. Yep. Jamar Fletcher to the, men, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Right. And Ken Lucas to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, Derek Gibson to the Raiders. Was he a safety? <laughs> Yeah, he was a safety from Florida State. Okay, all right, there you go. And and some dude named Bashir. Oh, oh, Bashir. Oh, he was a safety for the Colts. Yeah, yeah, he was a safety. Yeah, all right, you got him. You got him with the exception of the one uh, that I gave you, Will Allen. Um, All right, all right. uh, By the way, you know, I've always said, and I've probably told you this before, 
But to me, um, you know, as we wait for ownership to change, uh, Dan Snyder's made a lot of mistakes. And I know that those of you who played for him and were, you know, high-profile players feel differently than maybe a lot of the fans do. I don't want to get into that. But I think the number one mistake that he made, and I've said this for 15 years, 16 years, was getting rid of Marty Schottenheimer after that 2001 season because I think if Marty stays, and by the way, John Schneider then stays, you have playoffs and division titles and 12 and 13 win seasons for the next five, six years. And I totally agree. You said a mouthful right there. Not only did he have us pointing in the right direction, he had a future Hall of Famer in Champ Bailey. My career probably lasts three more years because of winning alone. Uh, you have you have your bookends at uh at corner. You, we had Chris Samuels, a staple at left tackle. We had a running back. All we was missing was a quarterback. And 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 we had the leader in Marty Schottenheimer that he was literally did not care who you was, veteran, young player. He was bending us to his wheel to make sure we played all one way. That was all, that was one of the, if not the biggest mistake I think Dan made was the letting Marty go. I also think the trade, and I'm sorry, you don't trade cornerbacks for running backs. The trade with Champ Bailey, no, and Clint, that that was that was lopsided. Well, I mean, I've told Clinton this be- before to, to to his face. I-, I loved Clinton Portis as a player, um, and I think there were a lot of reasons that Champ ended up getting traded that we don't need to get into. But you don't trade a yep. Hall of Fame corner, <clears throat> and by the way, a second-round pick on top of that. If anything, yeah. Denver should have been sending us a second-round pick with Clinton. Um, but, you know, that was – you know that was them. I mean, they didn't know how to. They, they got they got fleeced in most trades. But that 2001 season, you didn't even mention Lavar. I mean, I think if Lavar oh, yeah. stays with Marty, he ends up becoming what I think his talent said he should become. Yes, yes, and freakish athlete. And hopefully, at one point, especially with Marty, we would eventually move to the three four. And if we move to the three four. LeVar becomes a true edge rusher, and he becomes a Hall of Famer, Gold Coke, no doubt. And then I would have had not only a Hall of Famer in LeVar, I got a Hall of Famer in Champ Bailey, and, and, and Chris Samuels was so peaking towards Hall of Fame. And the one thing that we always do well, you can say what you want to, we draft well. Sean Taylor was headed for a yellow jacket. Uh, uh, Kerrigan was a hell of a draft pick. Trent Williams headed for a gold jacket. Uh, I can continue to go on. With the fact that you got Brandon Sheriff, who's all pro, uh, you drafted RG three, and I'm sorry if RG three don't get an RG three way, he maybe uh, reach his peak. You got Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, John Allen, Pro Bowler, <laughs> Pro Bowler. Uh, like you, you're drafting, you're drafting well. You're just not keeping the guys together. Imagine that team if you still got Trent William on it, RG three on it, and you still got all these defensive linemen. What kind of team do we have? Yeah, there were a couple drafts that weren't that good. Uh, the 2008, uh, no, no, no. the 2008 draft may be the worst draft in NFL history. Um, when they drafted Devin Thomas, Fred Davis, Malcolm Kelly, I, I think like five years after that draft, there was only one player left in the league, and that was Fred Davis. Now here's the thing about it. I'm gonna be no, honest no, 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 no. It was, uh, it, was the, it was the, it was the, it was the offensive lineman. It was, um, it was uh, Chad Reinhardt. Chad Reinhardt yeah, five Reinhardt, years later was yeah. the only one left. Because yeah, I don't yeah. think Fred Davis had a five-year career, did he? Maybe you're right. Yeah, he did. 
Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, okay. he did. Okay. And here's the thing about it. Fred was a talent, all right? Fred was a talent that we didn't see all the way through. Uh, Dalvin Thomas should have been a defensive back. If he would have been a defensive back, he would have had a long career in his league. Uh, Malcolm Kelly was the exception to the rule because he was super damn talented. He could not stay healthy, all right? Now, if you want to talk about the first Warren Buzz that we had, uh, Josh Dotson was the one that you look at and you say, how, why, what? We got nothing out of that. Yeah, you just you hit a sore spot with me because my son was at TCU and I watched every game that year and I told Doc we were doing a draft show that night and I told him right before the pick because if you recall Pierre was the, the following year Pierre w- wasn't under contract like they were running out of uh, under contract wide receivers after the next season and I said you watch they're going to take Josh Doxson right before the pick and I thought he was a great talent in college but you know he he was remember he he was just um I don't want to say it you know too he was homesick he he (laughs) Hey, say it, Zane. Stop beating around the bush. I mean, I'm mean, i mean, I'm good. Just say it. Right, here you go. Here you go. This guy did not love football. No, he didn't. Right? Like, he didn't he, love football. It's a lot, right. It, You're right. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot of players that are talented. He was talented, but he did not love no, he football. He was he was not tough, and he was a jumper, meaning he will make the hard, the easiest catch hard because he would leave his feet. Oh, that's where he felt comfortable at. Right. But he landed bad, and he, he wasn't a tough player. When they called it, I said, that is, that's a terrible draft pick. Why would you do that? And I'm sorry. Certain schools have track records, all right? And here go a track record. I usually don't like uh, TCU wide receivers. They don't pan out. They just they get Jaylen in the league. They don't pan out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can go on and on about some of them. Uh, yeah, most people didn't like uh, for a long time. Didn't like Penn State running backs until till of lately. Uh, the, the Penn State running backs were coming the league yeah. and not be great. Kajana, uh, uh, you, play, you, you play with Kajana. Yeah, I played with Kajana Carter. Actually, actually, think about this. I had three. No, I had four number one picks on one team with Kajana Carter, Bruce Smith, Big Daddy Wilkinson, and Jeff George. Wow. Yeah, well, the, the the last name there wasn't very helpful. But by the way, I, we per usual with you, we get completely off the rails here. I was talking about the 2001 <laughs> team, and then we go through every draft in the team's history. But, you know, the, the best part about that 2001 season, Kent Graham and Tony Banks at quarterback, and you guys almost made the playoffs. God, the defense, yes. the defense was so good at the end of that year. So good. We were – we were so good. Uh, Bruce Russ in the past, the Kennard Lane, Big Daddy Wilkinson, uh, Sean Barber, LeVar Le- uh, Arrington, Sam Shade. We are uh, D Green. We-, we-, we had a squad that could play with each other. We turned the ball over. We got sacks. And our offense basically ran the ball down your throat and did play action pass with Tony Banks, and he let go of the most beautiful post route you will ever see in your life. So, yeah, we won despite of everything. And that's why I say the future could only got brighter with us. Yeah. Do you, you know, 0 and 5 and the turning point in that season, you guys were down 14 nothing against the Panthers at home and LeVar, and LeVar p- picked the ball, yeah. Yeah, picked off a pass and brought it back like 80 mm-hmm. yards and uh, you guys ended up winning in overtime. All right. Um before we get to this year's draft, just your reaction to the team not picking up Chase Young's fifth year option. Uh, I 
think it's smart in a way. I think they're playing Jedi mind tricks with him because at the end of the day, his uh, fifth-year option, if I wasn't mistaken, would be 17. To uh, uh, franchise tag him would be 20. There's not really a difference. 24, and 24 always, I think. Yeah, about th- there's like 7 yeah. million difference. But, but, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're doing both of them only to get a long-term deal done anyway. So it's a kind of prove-it year for him. I wouldn't say it's his last year as a, a commander. I think it's one of them times where show us who you are so we know what we're investing in. And, uh, and you know, I think it's a smart move because you got to realize, Neither him or Sweat are under contract after this year. And you got to realize you got a couple guys that's holding some big cap numbers in, in, in Fuller. If you draft the cornerback this year, you, you can wheel and deal with him. And Charles Leno, who uh, makes around $13 million, if I'm not mistaken, another guy that you can free up if you draft another guy, plus you sign Wiley. So it's some flexible moves you can make to free up the money. All right, so I don't disagree with you. Okay, and I just had Sam Fortier from the Washington Post on. I don't disagree with you at all. But just like you did with me with Josh Doxson, this Jedi mind trick answer, they don't think he, right now, they don't think he is going to be on their roster in 2024. If you think that there is a better chance than not, that he's going to be on the roster in 2024, then you pick up that fifth-year option. What they're telling you is, we actually don't believe that he's going to be a guy that we're going to want in 2024. Yeah, there might be some incentivizing him like they did with Duran, although Duran played on his fifth-year option last year. Why have they fallen out of love with Chase Young? I, I don't know because he had a explosive. Like if y'all go back to a couple game stretches when we went to the playoffs, I think he ended up with four sacks, fumbles. two fumbles, yeah. two fumble cards, touchdowns. He showed you what his peak could be. I just think it's one of them things where uh, 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 they probably want him to grow up a little bit more. Uh, they want him to be more consistent. They want him to play through injuries. They want, you know, it's hard when you have a whole room of guys that set the tone. John Allen that set the tone so high. A uh, Deron Payne come back and, and, and reset the tone so high. So they're expecting stuff from him. But I'm not like everybody. I understand money talks. So at the end of it, think about this. We're talking about a coaching staff that's on the clock itself. Yeah. All right, so it's not making decisions for four years down the road. All right, they're trying to hang on to what they have also. And, and you're talking about not only uh, could be a head coaching shift and a coaching staff shift, it could be a whole ownership shift. So if the ownership's coming here and they want Chase Young, they will have Chase Young. We have a lot of variables here. So I'm just saying, this ain't finished and it's not clean as cut as everybody think it is. All right, uh, let's get started on the draft with Fred. Uh, and we will do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's get to the draft with Fred Smoot. Uh, You've made some really good calls in recent years since I've known you and you've been in media. Your best call, as far as I'm concerned, and maybe you'll disagree with me, is that you said that Debo Samuel was going to be an absolute star uh, in the NFL, and he was picked in the second round out of South Carolina. Do you have a really strong feeling about uh, a given player in this year's draft or two? Well, you know what? The reason I felt like that because I do I do a good job of trying to look for unicorns, look for people that are different. And if they're different, it has to be a reason. And that reason usually translates to the next level. And it is a couple of unicorns in this draft. I'm sorry. It's a couple of couple of guys we're going to look back five years from now, and most GMs going to say, how in the hell did I not draft this dude when he was sitting right in my face? Anthony Richardson is that dude. I'm sorry. He is a unicorn. I'm, I'm No, he's not ready right now. He is not ready to play yesterday. You have to really treat him like Patrick Mahomes with, with, with thin gloves on. So at the end of the day, set him, prepare him, and get him ready. He's a unicorn. Donnell Washington is a unicorn that's riding a dragon. I Six seven, I mean six seven, two hundred fifty pounds. You will regret not betting there. I mean, not getting that dude. Uh, Emmanuel was uh, fourth, one hundred and sixty-six pounds. Survived in the SEC. Took on uh, Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers. Is not the best receiver in the league. Jamar Chase, one of the best receivers in the league. He's taking on all of them. He is your man. He is a unicorn. It's uni- It's a couple of players in this draft, and I'm sorry, Bijan Robinson. He is a faster, stronger version. It, uh, of uh, Le'Veon Bell and wait till people see what this kid can do at wide receiver. He is dangerous. So it's a couple of guys in this draft if they end up in the right spot they will be go- uh, gold jacket guys. Um, so let's start with Richardson on, on that list. Yeah. Uh yeah. If he were, if he fell to sixteen and it's probably mm-hmm. not going to happen, would you be upset if they didn't take him? I would be hysterical. I I will lose. If, if, listen, if he's there at fourteen, you're trying to trade up. Don't even don't even give it a chance for somebody else to get him. That that's the ultimate surprise you can leave for the new owners. Like if the new owners are working anything in the background and he's falling at fourteen, you have to do that. Like at the end of the day, that's investing in a guy that's big as Cam Newton, faster than fast as Michael Vick, a guy that has a strong. Uh, all he needs to do is learn how to play the professional game. And you've had a and you got a quarterback for the next fifteen years now. You can say a lot about us. We got three championships as a franchise, but we have never had a long relationship with a quarterback. We've never had a ten-year quarterback. We've never had a fifteen-year quarterback. At the end of the day, if you want to end all the woes of this team. Quarterback is the position that once you get one, you continue to draft the position. That's how important it is. Um, so, all right, I'm with you on that. I'm 100% with you on that. I love Anthony Richardson's upside. I think that there's a chance he ends up being the best out of this class. And if he's anywhere near 16, I would be thinking about it. But do you agree with me that they're not going to do that? They're not. They're not. I just think we got too many variables and too many circumstances. Uh, you got to ask yourself, if you're the ownership group and you're not sure about this coaching staff, do you want them drafting your quarterback of the future? Uh, I, 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 do you want to show some aggression and move up in this draft? Because if I was the GM 
This is what I would do. I would get on the phone with the, the Los Angeles Rams, haven't had a first-round pick in over five, six, seven years. I would trade them my 16th pick for their next year's first-round pick and their second-round pick this year and maybe a fifth. And I would take those two second-round picks and I will get a Jack Campbell. And he's another unicorn that I forgot, linebacker. I love him. I love him from Iowa. Uh, and I will get Jack Campbell and I will get uh, Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. I would get Darnell, I mean, uh, uh, the one John from Ohio State, I would get those guys <laughs> get get ready, everybody. and I would and, and I would get ready for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes next year. Yeah, right. Uh, that's that's one way to play it. We haven't talked a lot about it, but that's that's an interesting strategy. The problem with that, of course, is you've got to be bad next year because if you're terrible, you're not trading out of that number one spot with Caleb Williams. So you, I think this team defensively is just too good to win less than four games. You know they're 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 going to win six seven games just because they're going to be good and, enough defensively, and that's why you want to be loaded with first yeah, round. Yeah, but picks. if you're you the worst to... team in the league, you're not trading out of that pick if Caleb Williams is there. No, you're not. But we also know going into the season, we don't know. We always think we know the worst team until the season no, starts right. and some guy gets hurt. Right. So we don't know the worst team, but I want to be loaded with ammo. If I got two first-round picks this year, I can offer you two first-round picks next year. I can offer you a player. I got players on this roster that I can wheel and deal. So at the end of the day, I have capital. I have stuff that I can make a move for the quarterback that I want. All right, I want to talk about, you mentioned Emmanuel Forbes. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. I don't care what he weighs. He actually tackles really well. He's from your alma yeah. mater. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I think he'll be there at 16. But before we get to him, I want to hear what your rankings of the corners are. Do you think Forbes is the best corner? Do you think he's better than Gonzalez or Witherspoon? I think he's going to have the best career. I think his career arc is going to be better. He's a better ball skill guy. He's very smart and intelligent. See, the thing about cornerbacks, it ain't can you play man. It can't. It's not can you play zone. It's can you make plays inside of the play call. He can make. He studies the game. I've talked to him. I've picked his brain. I love smart players that like like. I let me tell you something. Will Levis played against him and became a guy on the fourth list. See, when you're on fourth list as an <laughs> offensive player, your value goes down. Like, he went in there as a top 10 player. He left as a top 20 player after fourth got through with him, and he picked off a screen route. And to pick off a screen, bubble screen route, you have to been you have to been practiced there, and you've been you watching for keys, down and distance, and certain things like this. He at 6'2", as long as he is. And listen to me, when he gets his hands on the ball, he's the most offensive defensive player in this draft. He leads the NCAA in touchdowns. He has a record. This guy is different. Yeah, he he is. He he's got the all time mark for touchdowns, uh, re- touchdown returns from uh, interceptions. He's got six career touchdown interception returns, fourteen overall interceptions. And I remember he picked off Will Levis in that game and returned it for uh, for a score. Um, that's. Uh, man, you know, when you were talking about picking off a screen, you know who I thought of? I thought of Kendall Fuller. Like, I've always felt like Kendall yeah. Fuller has really good, smart anticipation talent yeah. and, and, and senses those things, right? 
Yes, he says it. And you got to realize with Fuller, he's what, fifth-generation cornerbackism? He's learned from a, a family. I think his auntie played corner. Like, at the end of the day, <laughs> he, he understands – Football, because let's be honest, Kimba is not the fastest cornerback in the league. No. He makes his plays through his education of the game, and that's what I want. I don't want a mercenary out there. I want somebody, and you got to look at this. When I have a St. Juice on one side, which St. Juice will never be a a, a, a eight pick in an interception a season guy. He's a nullifier. He's a guy that will not allow a lot of catches, but he's not going to turn the ball over a lot. The guy opposite of him needs to be a ball hog. The ball needs to find him very D Hall style. He needs to be a ball magnet. And the best ball magnet in this draft is Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. For for those of you who haven't seen him, just you know, Google the Emmanuel Forbes highlight reel. Uh, you know, there are a couple of those picks that kind of bounced off the ground or whatever, but his anticipation, his timing, he just he's a ball hawk, like you said. He just he is one of those guys, like, I always love watching Micah Hyde play. I feel like whenever I watch Micah Hyde play, Smoot, he is always yep. where the ball is going to be. You know, he's not fast. He's not, you know, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the ball's in the air, and somehow he ends up with it. Um, all right. That's Johnny, that's Johnny on the spot. I'm going to give you three names. Runday Barber, Johnny on the spot. Dre Bly, Johnny on the spot. D'Angelo Hall, the ball finds these guys. Yeah. It just does. So, are there other corners you like? Like, there's Joey Porter Jr. has been mocked to Washington a lot. Yeah. How would you feel about that? I uh, don't think he fits here. Uh, not a ball hawk. Doesn't find the ball well. He's very long. I don't think he runs as well as everybody. I think he's a guy that needs to go to the right situation, and I actually think that right situation might be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think he's a guy that cannot play in every system. Christian Gonzalez is a guy that I think can play in every system. Uh, I think he can do a lot out there. I, I, I want to see his his speed translate to the game. All guys does it. He seems to uh, kind of gallop out there and take his time. Uh, Witherspoon is a guy that got everybody intrigued because out of all the guys, he's the most physical. He seems to have a great intuition. I don't know if he wants to run up on Derrick Henry the way he runs up on these guys in college. I don't know if they're going to pay off, but he can play inside. But I just don't think it's enough separation from cornerback one to cornerback ten that I have to get one of these guys high. I can get the same thing I'm getting in Christian Gonzalez and Julius Britt from uh, Kansas State. And he's 6'3", 210 pounds, can do it all. I can get that same thing from Jared Williams from uh, from Syracuse, another 6'3", corner, 200 pounds that can really find the ball. And D.J. Turner from, from Michigan, a guy that can flat-out blaze, flat-out run, can find the ball. So the degrees of separation from 1 to 10 at cornerback is not very far, and I haven't talked about Eli Ricks. I haven't talked about Tomlinson from TCLU, uh, TCU. I haven't talked like it's so deep at the cornerback position. Riley Moss from Iowa. I love Iowa football players, by the way. Uh, it's tight so ends. Guys. Yeah, tight ends in particular. Um, linebacker, anything. Yeah. Um, so you you wouldn't have a problem if they, and I don't think they're going to do it, but you wouldn't have a problem with Bijan Robinson, you know, as a mid first round pick. Uh, I listen. He is a he one of those backs. Like Saquon came and I was like, ooh, he's different. Uh, Ladanian Thomas, ooh, he's different. Like and guess what? Uh, Bijan Robinson, he's different. I don't know if he's good for us. He's great for 
all 32 teams. But for us, I think Antonio Gibson is going to have the year of his life yeah. in Eric B. and his offense. I think he's going to show people what he really is and what he really can do. So I think if you're trying to get – and that's why I think a lot of teams are trying to back out of this first round in this draft because – this draft is not what you think it is. And every year we, we, we build up these 32 guys in the first round. And every year, 65% of these guys are bust. Right, so we know this. They only safe picks. They're not the best picks. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's a one out of three hit rate pretty much is a good rate um, when you look back kind of three years down the road. All right, back to quarterback. Assuming they don't take Anthony Richardson, and I mentioned this to Sam Fortier earlier, apparently Marty Herney, according to Albert Breer, has advocated in the building for Anthony Richardson. I don't know if it'll help at all, um, but let's just assume that Anthony Richardson's gone uh, and that they don't take a quarterback at 16. Do you think they will take a quarterback in this draft? And if it's not one of the top five guys, Young, Levis, Stroud, Richardson, and I'll throw Hooker in there, who do you like uh, You know, on night two or day three of the draft? I don't like any of the other quarterbacks behind those guys. Hooker is my guy. If, if it's not Hooker, you don't draft anybody. I think Hooker has the uh, a lot of upside right behind Richardson. I think Hooker can do everything. The guy can run. Now, everybody wants to talk about his age at 25. Quarterbacks play today 40. Plus, Joe Burrow got drafted at 24. Nobody cares. Everybody's looking for a reason not to draft these guys instead of a reason why to draft these guys. Herndon Hooker can do everything you need to be done on this level. He needs a year off, so that's perfect because you're going to let Sam Howell show what he has. I just think that if you're going to draft a quarterback, he is your only option. If you can't get a hold of Richardson, he is your only option. I don't think you go to to Tanner from uh, from Stanford. I don't think you, I don't think you do that. I don't think you find anybody else special after these uh, after these top guys in this quarterback class. You don't like DTR. You don't like Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA at all. <laughs> I don't think he's a starter. Like, uh, if I'm looking for a guy right now because of my quarterback situation, I want a guy that has starting capability. Yeah. I don't want to look for a new guy. I think uh, DTLR do very well as a backup uh, at the Ravens. I think he has to go to a place similar to that to really show his skills that he wouldn't really help my cause here. All right, one more for you. Actually, two more. Um, what do you think the Jets will be next year with Aaron Rodgers? I think the Jets will be that mercenary team. We've seen a couple mercenary teams. We've seen the Tampa Bay Bucks with Tom Brady, mercenary team, mercenary quarterback. Uh, we, we've seen uh, the, the Rams with Matthew Stafford, mercenary team, one-year mercenary quarterback. Uh, we're going to see a very similar situation because that New York defense will actually not have to shed everybody down anymore. They will actually get to play and pass rush with a lead. They're going to be even more dangerous. Uh, their running game uh, is going to be even more dangerous because most people forget that they got Malachi Bactum and all these other guys coming back. Plus, they might draft a, uh, a guy in the first round. So at the end of the day, they will be fine. He has three or four wide receivers that can make plays out there. Uh, I'm sorry. They will be a dangerous team, but the question is, which Aaron Rodgers are you getting? Because I saw a happy Aaron Rodgers walking there today, and if he anything emotionally and connected to this team, they will be a hard team to beat. Yeah, the first two examples you gave for for mercenaries, they both won the Super Bowl in their first years there. 
Yes, because the team was already baked. Yeah. Tampa Bay already had the defense. Uh, the Rams already had the defense. They already had the wide receivers. Uh, the, 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 the Rams had the wide receivers. So this team is very similar. So when I say mercenary, you have to be ready for the mercenary quarterback, and this team is. I totally agree with you, which is why, you know, when the season ended this year and and Rodgers, it, it was possible he was available. And I know with the ownership situation, we weren't going to be in a position to do it. But to me, the Jets and our roster are very similar. If you, if you threw very similar. If you threw Aaron Rodgers onto our team, if we had woke up yesterday and Aaron Rodgers was traded for by Washington, we'd be the third pick in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl behind the 49ers and the Eagles. Oh no, we already. I told people this. Listen to me. We beat the uh, the uh, Super Bowl contenders in the Eagles. We have the defensive line. We're similar built to the Forty ers We have everything the Forty ers have, except we don't have a Trent Williams. All right, but listen, we we did get a couple guys in free agents. This is a ready roster. It ain't but five or six guys or groups you can put in front of our group of wide receivers and say they better. We have a group of running backs. We have a quarterback ready team, and that's why I said if we were the team to get them. We will be picked to win the Super Bowl right now because trench warfare wins championships. And the last time we won championships here, we had the Hogs on offense, Dexter Manley, rest of those dogs on defense, and we have a defensive <laughs> we have a defensive line that mimics that trench Man. warfare wins games. You know what I love about you is that you came here in two thousand one and you know so much of the history of this team. You've already thrown out the fact that we've never had a quarterback here for a decade, which is true. Is as great as this franchise was you know for a long period of time before you got here unfortunately um we didn't have long-standing quarterbacks I mean Sonny came here in 64 and left in 74 but he wasn't the starter yep. the entire time um you know you know what Joe Theismann's uh, let's see how good you are you know what Joe Theismann's first position when he was here in Washington was yeah yeah he was a pop returner <laughs> Very he good. was a pop my man he was a pop yeah, he was a pump returner, and don't forget that we did not have a long, outstanding relationship with Mark Rippin. So at the end of the no. day, the guys that took us to the promise land, these are short relationships. We never had a marriage. This fan base is due for a long relationship that settles everybody down. That makes it like it ain't nothing to go to the stadium every Sunday and know we got Aaron Rodgers there. So until we find that guy that we can marry, we're gonna be in these short relationships for the rest of our life. You know what? And this is really going to piss you off because I know how you feel about him, but we should have been in a long-term relationship with Cousins and we would have been much better off. Much better off. Uh, you know what? Cousins is the ultimate. Uh, let me tell you something. The, the, the numerically, that's how great this game is. Eight billion people on this planet. We've never found 32 great quarterbacks at one season ever. I, and Kirk is in that mediocrity. Kirk means it's all right to come out and watch us play. We won't be too bad, but we won't be too good. <laughs> but we ain't going to win no championship. We ain't going to do it. Kirk would have kept us in that mediocrity. Because mm. the one thing I can say about Kirk, Regular season, he has it. But it's something about the postseason mm-hmm. when it comes to Kirk. He won't be the reason you win, but he could be the reason you get there. And that's, that's the difference in great quarterbacks. Okay. Well, you know, we haven't uh, – well, we did – we were in the playoffs in 2020 with a losing record. But I was going to say, we haven't sniffed a winning season since he was here. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Actually, you know what? You told me this before we started to record. Um, and I have not talked about it on the podcast, and it's my favorite thing right now, which are the NBA playoffs. 
So you're yeah. watching them as well. What did you think of Trey? Mm-hmm. What, what did you What did you think of the Trey Young performance last night? I love Trey Young because some players need to understand the identity, and I think Trey is finally understanding he is a villain. I, he is the Joker in a Batman story. He cannot be the good guy. <laughs> when, 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 when the stadium and when, when, when the crowd is against him, he plays the best. When it's playoff time, Trey plays the best. So I, I think sometimes you need to embrace who you really are because it brings out your best game. The question ain't. Is what's going on with Trey? The question is, what the hell is going on with Boston? Because at the end of the day, this is the team that's supposed to be contending for a championship. And, half, and they made so many mistakes at the end of the game. Oh they turned God. the ball Turn over the ball like they over. fouled. Like, yeah. uh, it, it, was, it was so un-Boston-like. So at the end of the then Brown, he comes down and makes the most terrible shot attempt. So it was one of those things where Boston got in Boston way. So I, this is not about the Atlanta Hawks. This is about Boston. We can we can refer to Trey Young, you and I can as Littlefinger, um, if you want to if, if you want to put if you want to put him in the villain category. Um, what about okay? So because y- you're you're a hoops fan too. What yeah, it, yeah. Jimmy Butler's performance two nights ago is one of the greatest individual playoff performances I've ever watched. It's not you know I don't know where it is on the list, but it's on the list. What did you think of it? Oh, I th- it's Jimmy Butler. It's like if it, I don't know if he just waits for the playoff. I don't know if he's just <laughs> bored with the regular season. I don't know, but nobody can stop Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. I'm talking about 35, 45, 50 points games, and he does this multiple times. It ain't like he's doing this one or twice. He does this any time they need him. And I haven't seen Duncan Robinson for two years. Where are the players besides Jimmy Butler? They cannot possibly let one man dominate them in the playoffs. I can't see them. Like, when are you going to start to double this man and force somebody else from Miami to beat you? Bam out of Bayou or somebody. Force him to beat you, but to let Jimmy Jimmy consecutively, and he does it so easy. He scores 12 to 14, 15 points off of defensive plays. Then he comes back and he shoots the three better than he was shooting probably his whole career. And, and, and if he's going to do that, you, you, he's not going to stop him. You're good because it's such a great point about how he scores in so many different ways. He's great in the mid-range. In the playoffs, he shoots the three. He'll shoot a three in transition. He creates opportunities off of his defense. And the other observation you made, I made yesterday with, with, with Tom on the podcast, do you know how many times Milwaukee double-teamed him in that game the other night? Four. Four times. I think it's one of the worst. Like, I was sitting there watching the game. I'm like, how are they not doubling this guy? In four? Like, I'd have two guys waiting for him at half court to force Bam or anybody because nobody else could score. It was amazing. I actually still think, and I, and I said this on yesterday's show, as much as I'm rooting for Jimmy Butler in Miami and I want them to win this series, I still think Miami uh, that Milwaukee's going to win the series. They're going to win three straight. What do you think? I don't know. Milwaukee is. I think they're 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 suffering from their 
from the from the glory days they've had because I think the playoff after playoff year after year start to take a toll on you and I don't know if they have a number three score now and I think that's going to really hurt the situation that they're in because they need that score especially with Giannis being hurt if he's going to come get it but he's still going to give you double doubles he's still going to give you the plays I just don't Deacon Sandoz I don't know if they have. Letting him go early in the year, I thought was going to hurt him. But I don't think they have the scoring that they need, and I think that's going to hurt them. I think Miami could beat this team. I think they're limping enough that Miami could beat them. I hope it happens. I actually think that Milwaukee's got a good chance to win the final three. But, I mean, Miami's not even favored. I mean, it's like a pick them the rest of the way, even money, even though they're down 3-1. Last one on hoops. So uh, Phoenix finished off the Clippers last night. My favorite player in the yeah. NBA and one of my favorite players in all of sports is Kawhi Leonard. And uh, yeah. and and he was legitimately hurt. It's coming out now that he had a torn meniscus yeah. and he missed these games. Stephen A. this morning was screaming that he should retire. What do you make yeah. of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers, but Kawhi in particular – who is as good a postseason performer as we have seen when he is available to play. Yeah. Man, it's one of those Greg Oden tales. At least we got to see some greatness. Uh, I think Stephen A. was a little harsh in the way he was saying it, but uh, if he continues to get these injuries, it becomes in that territory of how much can he play. Uh, but when, I'm sorry. When Kawhi is on the court, he's the most dominant force I've ever seen. He might be quiet. He might not be your cup of tea. He's he's so strong. He pushes guys around. Watch him with Durant. Oh. He pushed Durant around for four quarters. He gets in the post and dominates him. He shoots the three and goes right back to the bench. He's a no nonsense go to work, come home, guys. I'm just mad that we as the, the crowd, we as the fans won't get to see this blossoming career be great because I do think if Paul George and Kawhi was playing, the Clippers would win this series. But I'm sorry. I Like, it, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's one of those situations is damned if you do, damned if you don't. But he can't play hurt. No, I, I'm with you. I think after after game one, I'm like, I think they're going to – well, I, I Phoenix is tough. This is a tough matchup. But I think the Clippers, if they'd gotten through this series, which they would have had a chance, I think they could have won the title. Um, but we'll see. Devin Booker's on fire right now. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, most definitely. This, th- this was great as usual. Um, we should do this more often. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Sam. Fred Smoot, everybody. Uh, they pretty much – Pretty much broke the mold on Smoot. Uh, he's the best. That was fun. All right, that is it for today. Thanks to Smoot. Thanks to Sam Fortier. Back tomorrow with Tommy. All draft uh, tomorrow. Uh, lots of predictions uh, for you as well. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.